Hello and welcome to this very exciting episode of the Silmarillion Film Project, where we'll spend the whole time talking with Marie about COVID. No, not really. Much more exciting than that. Much more exciting than that. We're going to talk yeah. to Marie about Baron and Luthien. And also, Corey Olson's here, too. Hey, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, and Dave, and, I think you, you missed it last week. We were talking about, did you know that uh, Billy Boyd was watching? I, I was on the Friendship Onion. The, what? Yeah, I went, on the, I went on the Friendship Onion with Dominic Monaghan and Billy Boyd, their, uh, their podcast. And uh-huh. uh, they were talking, Billy Boyd has totally listened to film film uh, and loved it. He, he was, he was, That's he was amazing. Fan. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Is he here tonight? No, I don't think he's here. Who knows? Maybe Man. he's tuning in live. I invited him to, to, to guest on the show, you know, so we'll see. Uh, yes, but uh, that would be do fun. it, Billy Boyd. <laughs> do it, Billy Boyd. Exactly. We would love to. We would love to have that conversation. Um, anyway, good evening, everybody. Welcome back. So um, uh, let me. Let's. So tonight, tonight's a big night, right? Tonight's a big night because we're going to get to Baron and Luthien at last. It's the Baron and Luthien season, and we've been talking about everything other than Baron and Luthien and now having eliminated almost everything else. Not quite, but almost. Um, I seem to be in a serious state of procrastination to talk about Thingol for some reason. I don't know what that is. But in any case, almost everything apart from Baron and Luthien. But tonight we are going to start in uh, and our, our, our high goal for the evening is to agree upon the shape of the early part of the season to try to figure out... Um, you know, what we want to have in general, like, you know, very big picture outline. What do we want to see happen in episode one, two, three, and maybe four? Um, so uh, because then our script writing team can move forward while we carry on talking about Thingol and Dairon and Baron and Luthien and figuring out the rest of the stuff that we want to see in the season. But first, whole bunch of uh, announcements tonight. We've got MythMoot 9 registration is coming up. We've got so these three moots. We have active registration open for three moots. We've got MythMoot, of course, the end of June um, in Virginia. And uh, the proposal deadline is coming up March 25th if you want to uh, uh, propose uh, a session, a talk, or a discussion, or something else uh, at MythMoot. Uh, you can submit those through March 25th. We have two regional moots. Coming up very soon, TexMoot is happening on March 26th and Sunshine Moot in Florida, near Orlando, on April 2nd. Uh, I'm excited. I'm going to be traveling to both of those. So I'm looking forward to uh, it's been it's been since November that I've done any moot travel. So I'm uh, excited to get back to moots here uh, in uh, the next few weeks here. Also, on the subject of moots, um, I am hosting a session um an information session on how to host a regional moot. A lot of people are, have been like, you know, have said they're kind of interested to get involved. You know, like whenever I talk about moots, always people are like, Oh, you guys should come, you know, out to where I am, you know, and do a moot. And people have expressed some, you know, interest in, you know, volunteering to help uh, make a moot happen uh, near you. But a lot of people just don't know what that's about. So we're doing an info session on March 15th. It's next week, March 15th, uh, from 1 to 3 p.m. Uh, we're just going to be talking about um, about hosting a regional moot, what's involved. I'll be joined by Karita Alexander, our regional moot director, um, uh, coordinator. She's going to be uh, helping me talk about, you know, what goes on kind of under the hood uh, in planning. And, that, and I'll give you spoilers for that session. 
it's totally not as hard as most people think it is. <laughs> so it's it's uh, we have a we have a lot of support for that. Um, and of course, we have uh, uh, my other minds and hands uh, broadcast, the new broadcast that I'm doing on Wednesday afternoons, uh, talking about adaptations in general, Tolkien adaptations in specific, and of course, uh, talking about uh, uh, some stuff about the Amazon show coming up as well. Um, I'm going to be doing my first sort of full discussion of the trailer, actually, finally. Um, I'm really looking forward to doing a kind of a thematic discussion. It's so funny, you know, with these trailers. People are so quick. Now, you know, and, you know, you guys are going to laugh at me for saying, like, people just spend all this time picking it apart frame by frame. Like, I know, like, totally guilty. But the point point is, though, what I haven't heard anybody do is, like, actually just sort of look at, like, the theme, like, the story. Like, we actually learned a lot about what kind of story you know, they're telling, at least we learned some things that I never would have guessed um, without that trailer. And I don't hear, I mean, I, so I hear lots of, you know, I hear, of course, a bunch of people complaining about it, but I hear a bunch of people, um, you know, wanting to go through and be like, okay, who's that actor? And therefore, you know, what is this probably happening here? And what does that tell us? But like actually, you know, thinking about themes and, and ideas and, and stories, um, I think that we saw some really cool things. So that's what I'm going to be focusing on when I'm talking about the trailer next week. So anyway, that's a little sneak peek of what's coming on next Wednesday on Other Minds and Hands, which will be episode three. Um, so anyway, that is what is going on. we got a lot of things going on. Plus, of course, there's our space program and, and our, our, our fun new space modules coming up. Uh, so uh, definitely look into all that. All right. Let us get back uh, into... Once again, looking at the map. Okay, um, Luthien. So we're starting with Luthien because we've talked kind of around, at least for the opening stuff. We've talked about Baron a little bit more in the context of having discussed to some extent um, what's going on in Dorthonian. We especially talked about that from the Sauron perspective, but that actually already gives us a pretty good framework of what we have to deal with as far as Barahir and Baron and, uh, you know, the band of outlaws up there and what's going to be happening. But we need to think about Luthien. I think this is a great place to start. Um, Luthien's own character. So, um, and Marie has put together, and I am so grateful that you did this, Marie, a review of what, because we've had Luthien. We've We've, you know, Luthien's been a character. She's not. She, we've never spent a whole lot of time with her, but we've had Luthien on screen since season three. Um, so what have we seen with Baron? What have we done with Baron? Luthien, sorry. What have we done with Luthien? Um, she recognizes the importance of art in preserving culture during times of war. That's one of the things that we've uh, we've said. She's good f- friends with Goadriel. That was one of the major things that we did um, was to establish a friendship between her and Goadriel, which I think um, could pay off in some interesting ways. Um, and she stood in for her mother at Goadriel's wedding, so that was a really big deal, especially under the context of the role that Galadriel's mother played in season four, right? It was the death of her mom and, you know, in, in the context of the kinslaying. Um, that was just one of the central things that we had Galadriel kind of wrestling with uh, over the course of that season. Um, so therefore, the the kind of symbolism of her new friend Luthien standing in her mother's place uh, at the wedding 
was uh, is is I think a really important thing. Um, she used song to contest Sauron's power. We had the first song battle uh, in film film, which was between Luthien and Sauron uh, and his evil hurdy gurdy uh, at the at the Marathad. Uh, she valued Dairon's invention of runes, right? So we had her highlighting that. And she has shown interest in the Noldor and men. Um, now, remind me of that, because I know we spent very little time in Doriath in season five, right? So it was I th- it, w- it was in that episode, right, when, uh, wasn't it when, um, when Haleth and their people come in and like we're, they're wanting to get into cross through Doriath and they're getting stonewalled. And we had some discussion then, right? Right. So we had uh, Gladriel be interested in what the, um, what would become the house of Hadar, uh, what those Mm -hmm. people were up to, especially as pertained to their border with Assyrians. And so Galadriel does go to Doriath and kind of, discuss the situation with men with Thingol and mm-hmm. he, he pretty much says no <laughs> right. Right. no interest in having these people around in Doriath and then that is put to the test when Hellas people want to cross through Doriath and right. Thingol tells them to wait for his decision while he considers it and being an elf he takes a couple of years to think about it right? and they get bored and and they get bored and Cross go through the Nangangartha without Nandangartha waiting for his answer. Instead, yes. Yeah. Exactly. So, so yeah, we so we had multiple conversations about like who are men and what should their relationship with Doriath be. Thingol's stance is pretty clear. So Luthien was kind of like not opposing that, but wondering if there was maybe more to the picture right. and that if there was more to learn from men. So she was more curious. Mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. like fighting with her father over it. Right. Right. But there was the we were kind of laying the you know the the you know planting the seeds of what was obvious, you know, and yeah, to people who know the story an obvious foreshadowing of what was to come, right? And the division between them. Um but we've established a kind of precedent of if not even anything quite so strong as a difference of opinion. A, a divergence in sentiment from the beginning, right? And interest, essentially, uh, from the beginning uh, to kind of lay the uh, lay the way for that. Um, okay, and of course we know Baron is... Uh, now, Baron was there at the rescue of Finrod, right? With Barahir at that time as well. And then since then, he and Barahir returned to Dorthonian... Um, after rescuing Finrod, Finrod returns to Nargothrond. They return to Dorthonian, even though they know everybody else has gone away. Right? Um, what do we have? This is the one thing I want to ask at the start. And I, I try not to get too bogged down in this, and because again, I don't want to spend I want to spend a little bit more time on Luthien than on Baron first. But what do, what do we have them trying to accomplish exactly? Why did they return to... They know... So it was really important during the the Dagor Bragalach. We had this very important moment where they were staying as a rear guard, right? They were enabling the escape of the women and children and the rest of the people of the House of Baron. They were, they were enabling them to escape. By the time... And then they were waiting, right? 
hoping that rescue would come, you know, that help would come. And then, of course, the help came and then it needed help, right, as it turned out, um, in a fun twist. Um, And they end up rescuing Finrod instead of being rescued by him. But after that, they choose to go back, right? They choose to go back to Doriath, knowing that they've, haven't they, don't they know that they've achieved their end and that the women and children have escaped? So the the refugees have escaped, yes. So yeah. like the group yeah. that was packed up and right. fleeing the area, right. they accomplished their goal there. But not every human being who lived in Dorthonian left. Okay. So they know there's still people in Dorthonian, and that's what they're going back for. Okay. Like so, it's like a a, a kind of guerrilla warfare against those who are now in control. Like, there's no question of, like, we're going to retake Dorthonian. There's no. there's only a handful of them. But if we can, you know, seek, find, rescue, help, deliver any people who are there, as long as there's any one left in Dorthonian who might need rescuing, we'll stay and try to rescue them. That's basically the idea. Right. Right. Okay. And um, Gorlam in particular is going back because he never found out if his wife made it into the group of refugees and no right. one ever saw her. Right. So, and, and, well, and Gorlam is a really nice example, yeah. right? I mean, he, he's, a, he's a, I mean, that is, he's a good stand in for, you know, not everybody knows what happened. Right. So like the, the fact that there is uncertainty, there may still be some people here. Some people may still need our help, including some people that we, you know, not everybody that we know and care about was, right there, you know, with the refugees and we don't know that they all escaped and so let's be sure. And so Gorlin's concern uh, is a, a good... I mean, obviously it's important for its own reasons, but um, but it's a good... It's an example of this bigger yeah. picture of confusion yeah. and not having answers and not knowing for sure. Yeah. He's kind of like the poster child of why we keep fighting in Dorthonian and why we stick in Dorthonian because we're, we just there might still be good that we can do, even if it's, even if it's not like super likely. Right. I mean, like, you know, Gorlam's in a place where he has to kind of know that it's super unlikely that his wife has made it right, but he doesn't know. And so he's not going to give up until, you know, one way or another, like essentially he's not going to give up until he dies. Right. Um, And that, um, I guess one of the things that I'm trying to, get a little bit clearer in my head just as a as a as a framework right just as a starting place for Barahir and Baron at the beginning because I think it's important for Baron's character if I could, like where he goes and what happens to him to what extent to what extent are they like set on death you know what I mean like is it is it just like we know there's very limited good that we can do up here right but like dog on it we're going to keep fighting until we're all dead and that's pretty much what we're determined to no matter what you know maybe we can achieve a little maybe we can achieve a lot but what really matters is like we're not going to take it and we're going to keep fighting until we're all dead and that, like is are, are are they resolved on death in that way or is cuz if they're not they could be if they're if they have a goal like if they have a goal that they even that they think is attainable it it changes the whole quality of what they're doing if you see what i mean like there's a totally different tone to like because then they could be like okay if we can just you know execute operation whatever it is then we can get out of here 
right? Um, and that's a very different attitude from we're you know we're we're all leaving Darthonian feet first, right? If it, we're 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 going to leave it in 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 an orc's cooking pot or not at all. Like that's that's you know that's what's happening here. Uh, totally different attitudes, right? Um, because again, I'm I'm thinking ahead really to Baron's choice to leave, right? What's at stake for Baron? When there, when everyone else is, when it's just him, right? Um, and he makes the, you know, what choice does he make, right? Where, where is his head, you know, at that at that time? Um, so I don't know. What do you guys What do you guys think about how um, kind of desperate Barra here and his band are? How how determined they are? How goal oriented they are? Or are they just like we're going to cause the most trouble as we can until we're finally killed? Hmm. I think the problem I have with that latter, the reason I'm not a huge fan of that is that it seems to me to involve a significant amount of delusion unless we make something for them really to accomplish, right? You mean because the, you, when you say that, you mean the, the second option where they're just out to cause yeah, mayhem? Exactly. If they're just like, we're not going to leave Darthonian, we don't care. We're just gonna we're we're gonna we're gonna oppose them. However, like it just kind of seems to me like okay, dude. Like on, on the one hand, you could say to them in that situation, guys, listen, you want to do some good against the enemy that sacked Dorthonian? Why don't you leave? Join up with the other folks. Like the, right. the handful yeah. of you staying staying in the hills, you know, slaughtering the occasional orc band. Like, what are you doing? What are you accomplishing? Like, wh- like. They could tell themselves, like, we're fighting the good fight and we're, you know, as long as we're here, Dorthonian hasn't fallen. But they're delusional if that's the case. Right. I mean, they're not really able to do anything. They must they must other they must have some specific goal that requires them to be there. Or, as you say, like or or it has their state of mind must be off, which is I mean, it's possible. It could be maybe they're they've just they're just they've totally despaired. They don't think there's any point in going on or they're just stubbornly refusing to leave their homes and they'd rather they'd rather go out fighting and die in their home taking in which case we could have one or two of them saying, guys, we're not really doing anything here. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like there there could be some kind of division, you know, not division, but a sentiment among them that, you know, yeah, we did did portray Bregolas and the other old men who stayed behind right as the rear guard when the dragon was coming yeah in that sense like right. those guys all knew they were dead right and they definitely decided let's die in our homeland right right and they and, made a and, final stand made and, a final stand and like a, they were accomplishing something in that mm-hmm. they were you know helping to cover the retreat and everything i mean that's yeah. that's but but again but see this is like it's it's the okay now 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 that like everything is pretty much over, let's go back just so that we can, you know, I don't know what <laughs> we can do. Right. Um, now, I mean, of course, the one I would be fine with them having like maybe Bari here is just kind of hardened. And I mean, because he's got to be in a, in a tough place right after all of this has gone down and he's seen everything collapse around him especially you know we think about Bari here and his I mean, you know we we had like young Bari here you know from uh the early days right in season five wasn't he the one that we had who was 
you know, yay high when when they were first traveling up there, right? Wasn't that right? He was. He would have been four or five years old uh, right. when they made so, that journey. So his position in relationship to this culture that you know the civilization up there in Ladros, um, you know, he's grown up there, um, has grown into the leader there. Um, he's invested. He's responsible, even like in a very different way. Like you think about Andreth and her, what her relationship with this would be, right? Um, his is different. Like he will barely remember anything else, right? Like his whole life has been focused on like he's been trained for this, right? You know, to uh, to he will have known like from his youth. The stories of like, and now like the house of Beor is like moving up to fulfill its destiny and you young Bari here will like help to lead, you know, your people into fulfilling their role. And then what happens? Like he grows up and he takes on that position and then they get stumped like ants. Right. Um, and everything is gone and he's, and uh, you know, everything has been lost. Um, I could understand Bari here. But, you know, he, he accomplished something in rescuing Finrod, but you could forgive Bari here if he didn't feel like very much came of that, right? He might not mm-hmm. even really feel like he like, like he did that much. Like, what does that mean to him exactly, right? Okay, you know, Finrod gave me this cool ring and that's nice and everything, right? But like, it, mm-hmm. it's not it's not bringing Ladros back. I mean, I'm just I'm, I'm I agree, it doesn't bring Ladros back certainly. So as far as, yeah, they didn't win the war. Right. Um, but I, I don't think that Barahir devalued his own contribution. Like, I, I think he was pretty proud of himself for being able to help Finrod and rescue sure. him sure. in that situation. Like, and I, and I I mean, the people of Ladros recognized Finrod as king because they were yeah. from Nargothrond. Like, they were pretty much Finrod's subjects they tried to break away and be free people, but you know, yeah, yeah. it's only been a generation. So, right. Right. Exactly. So yeah. I, I, so I think that the, the connection there is pretty strong and it is. No, I don't mean to devalue it. Exactly. I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm trying to, trying get, to figure out what the goal is now, what the goal is now, like where Barahir's head is yeah. now, you know, like yeah. what, what, because presumably it's been a few years since yeah. the war ended and what's happening, right? What can he do? Like, what's the plan? What happens next? Right. Um, Because they can't be doing that much. I guess one of the things that I'm the simplest way to approach this, I'm not saying we take this route, but the simplest way to approach this would to have there be a kind of divide between Baron and Barahir. Right. To have Baron be the voice of, you know, uh, let's go. Like, there's no more. There's no there's no more good we can do here. Right. Yeah, we're okay. Like we're not letting the orcs have their own way in everything and we're creating some problems for them in minor, you know, big picture, strategically speaking, minor ways. Um, But, you know, seriously, um, let's leave. Um, And Barahir's, you know, stubborn. uh, There's there's a generational gap there, right? I mean, obviously mm -hmm. Barahir's his father. Um, his cousins of Baragund and Belagund are fathers themselves, so their children left in, with the refugees. Mm-hmm. 
so Baron is the young guy in the group. Yeah. Yeah. And would possibly have a different viewpoint than everyone else. I don't know that we want to make it that he wants to give up the mission and go home and everyone else is like but we are home and this is our mission (laughs) right it it wouldn't be to give up the mission it would be like let's get like this isn't a mission like you this isn't a mission this is just living in denial right let's go find finrod let's go find fingen let's go do something go somewhere where we can actually help to strike a, a, a real blow against morgoth and against sauron um rather than just you know doing our occasional raid on orc camps or or you know ambushing um you know a traveling like whatever like okay so like yeah, we've killed a whole bunch of orcs since we've been here right that's a that's kind of a win but it's a small win right we're not really doing anything um but again as i say that's kind of, to me that's sort of the simplest solution and then of course it works then everybody dies and then baron is like well i guess i leave right but of course now his leaving would be a little bit more complex because now he'd feel guilty about like now i'm leaving and now i should stay like my dad wanted to stay and now he's dead and they're all dead and i'm the only one left and so now i should stay because that's what they wanted to do and if i leave i'm abandoning them posthumously (laughs) right i mean like you can see the whole kind of complex thing that he could go through potentially but I still don't know. I like guess it still seems to me a little bit simplistic to have him wanting to leave from the beginning. You know, um, I don't know. I could, you know, maybe, um, uh, I don't know. You could almost reverse it. Maybe you reverse it. Baron's the one who really wants to stay, you know, who refuses to leave the, you know, the land that he was born in and doesn't see this until he, you know, until his father, you know, his, you know, he convinces his father to stay and then his father and everybody is killed. And so then he's like burdened with guilt, right? Oh man. Like if we'd left, if I hadn't insisted on staying, they would have left. And now they're, now they're dead and it's my fault. And like, now I'm going to leave like they wanted to, but it's just me. And now I'm like going burdened with guilt and weariness. Another option, mm-hmm. right? So, so what you're saying is regardless of what the story is, the goal is to have the impact of everyone's death have maximum guilt for Baron. I think Baron has to bear. Look, Baron is in a Yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> exactly. One of the things, one of the, uh, maybe more of a motif than a theme of this season is the healing effect of Luthien, Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Baron staggers into Doriath half dead, right? And revives. Sees Luthien and his life has changed and he revives, right? In the end, Thingol is going to be half dead of grief after Luthien's death and Luthien is going to return and touch him and he is going to revive and flowers are going to spring up, right? The whole, like, flowers spring up where she goes, Luthien effect, right, needs to be a motif. And even the way in which we can play on that same thing with Huan, right? The heart of Huan, right, coming to life and new recognition when Luthien encounters him. Even Luthien's destruction of the tower, right? I mean, like, it's the, 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 especially the way that we've contrived it, right, with the pot of evil, um, 
she sets people free, right? You know, she, she, she's, you know, just as the, you know, the flowers and the sun are set free when Luthien comes, so that the spirits in bondage are set free um, in Tol and Garahoth. Um, even the sleep of the folks in Angband can almost be in this way. I mean, remember her words to Karkaroth, right? Where she's like, rest. You know, you, you, oh, woe begotten spirit, she says, right? She has pity, on this evil spirit that is animating Karkaroth, and she gives him, she gives him rest. Like she, mm-hmm. get, you know, he hasn't. He has the nicest nap of his entire life, right? You know, and, and, and like she brings peace where she goes, right? Um, even in Angban, she brings peace. I mean, that's the thing. Like I, I'm, I'm really looking. I, 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 obviously, we don't go like full scale comedy with this, right? But like. When she puts everybody to sleep in Angband, they need to look really peaceful, right? Like, for the first time, like, to see, like, these orc faces that we've only seen in, like, Grimaces of Rage be, like, you know, they should be almost unrecognizable because they're, like, you know, like, in peaceful slumber, possibly the only peaceful slumber they've enjoyed in their entire lives, right? Um, Anyway, like, the Luthien effect, it's a big deal, right? So do I really want... Baron to be like all torn up in lots. Yeah, I do. I want him all torn up in lots of ways because I want the Luthien effect, right? I, I want to see him healed by her, right? Not just see him falling in love with her, um, but to see him healed. But that seems to me a really important uh, element of the Baron and Luthien's like meeting scene, right? Um, and uh, um, you're, uh, you're you're yeah. you're starting to sell me on it. Okay. Right. Okay. Like I said, we don't have to go like crazy far out of our way to, um, you know, like heap the tragedy on him, and and uh, you know it's. But I mean, look, he's <laughs> he's got plenty of tragedy, right? We don't have to go far out of our way. Um, I'm just saying, yeah, yeah. I think that it should it should not just be. But again, m- more importantly, I'm just. I don't, I don't, I guess I don't really see, or I haven't yet been really seeing the mindset of the outlaws, like what it is, why are they there? What are they doing? Um, because like, why didn't they go back with Finrod? I mean, again, I, I, I can see the answer because there might still be people there, but it's been years now, right? Like seriously, are they real? I mean, okay, Gorlim's not going to leave. We know this, but all of them? Like, you know, are they all like, no, really, somewhere in Dorthonian, there might be an innocent person who needs rescuing. Uh, you know, at some point, clearly, they, you know, but they're not decamping. They're staying. So why? What's what? And anyway, that's why I wanted to kind uh, of work that out. There is another possibility. Mm-hmm. And that is they, their initial reason for going is, yeah, to get the people out safely. Um, but in the interim a lot of orcs have moved in mm-hmm. and depending on the situation of where they are and where all the other orc camps are perhaps getting out is no longer really a possibility like okay the at trip. some point once you're in completely occupied territory right like right you're living behind like, enemy lines so yeah it's yeah yeah so at this point maybe the window of opportunity to like do their task and get out has closed and they've accepted that they're going to just have to stay here for the duration okay. now. And that's a very different mindset 
right? The yes. like, uh, you know, they're coming, we cannot get out is a very different mindset for them, right? But that, um, but, but that, I mean, that can work, right? Um, here's what I don't like about that. What I don't like about that is that Again, I'm thinking, obviously, the most important thing here to me, like why the state of mind of the the band matters to me is what it tells us about Baron's mindset when he leaves, right? Um, Baron is going to leave. And that so that will mean something different depending on how we set that up, right? Um, and here's the thing I don't like about the we cannot get out version. And that is, well, but Baron can apparently right so either like what he wasn't trying hard enough before or you know he well, like it's he, yeah he has to go through nendon gorthub right like is, this isn't exactly a good idea right no i mean it's it's, it's not, he's not exactly taking the highway out um but still like so what's different now um is he more desperate to leave now than he was before is he um i mean like unencumbered by the deadwood that was keeping him from making it through that way i mean like if they were desperate to leave why didn't they go that way and if there was a reason they didn't go that way before i mean i know it's a bad idea right um but then why does he go that way now right i mean he's making a different choice than was being made before like that's like at the end of the day one way or the other, he's doing something different than he was. Then he, Baron alone, goes a different way than Baron and Barra here together did. Why? Like, what is the explanation? Now, it's possible we could just. I mean, we, we talked about just having him physically hunted out, right? Like, I mean, he's he's just he's just going to get caught, and he has so he's just being pursued. Um, that's plausible. I mean, like, I'm not saying that that's not plausible. I guess I'm just saying I I don't I don't like a choice which is ultimately passive to his character. Right. That's right. what I don't like, like. The decision to leave Dorthonian is kind of an important moment for him, so Yeah. If he yeah, if he doesn't make that decision and he just ends up in Endungortha by accident, that's right. that well, that's a missed opportunity. Right. And 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 to just to think about that even one step further. Even that's not a way out. Even having him chased out isn't a way out. Um, I mean, isn't a way out of our problem. It's a way out of Dorothonia, but it's not a way out of our problem. Because if the band had been all like, we're behind enemy lines, we cannot escape, we're just going to stay here and fight until we all die, because that's, we have no other option. Well, then when he's being chased, he chooses to run away instead of staying and dying, fighting and dying. And that's a different choice still, right? So, like, if uh, if if the place where Baron is in is like, well, the gig is up, like, you know, the hounds are on my heels, I must, now there's no choice for me left but to go through Nandan Gortheb, baloney. Of course there's a choice left open to him. The other choice left open to him is to stand there, Hurin-like, and fight until he dies. Like, that, which is what they had all decided to do, right? I mean, I, you know, so if he doesn't, if he decides instead to run away, even if it means running through Nandan Gortheb, then... And that's a different. It's a new plan, right? Which they could have, they could have made that plan before, but they didn't make that plan. So, um, uh, 
So what, I guess the question becomes, what changes once it's just Baron? Yeah, he's got it's, this. He's it's something is different, right? Because yeah, it's either got to be a logistical thing of like, um, well, I can't fight anymore. It's so my only choice left is to try to run, or it's uh, he alone is willing to try to flee through Nun Dungortha, but but maybe when it, other folks were there, he wasn't willing. You know, they didn't want to go or something. But something must have changed. Something must have changed. Yeah, yeah. And that's why I kind of... I I admit also to kind of wanting... I think part of the reason that I was thinking in terms of like a debate over whether they go or whether they stay is that I'm still thinking... uh, I'm wanting to kind of carry over some season five thematic ideas about humans and like the whole House of Bayor thing, right? Like what, what, what are we accomplishing in our lives, right? Um, and that's why I think somebody, maybe it's Baron, maybe it's Barry here, maybe it's somebody else, but I don't think we really need anybody else but the two of them in Gorlem. That's probably enough characters with speaking with lines, right? Probably uh, in those episodes. But anyway, uh, you know, you guys can see what you think about that. But um, but anyway, uh, and obviously it's not Gorlim who's ever going to be arguing to leave. So we know that uh, it's the one absolute given. But anyway, the point is what I like about the no, we should stay, you know, until we die side versus the no, we're not accomplishing anything here. We should leave. It's a very human from season five kind of argument to be having, right? Like, what are we doing with the time that is given to us? At the end of the day, very little up here. So let's leave. Um, so if one way, like whichever side he was, I could, I could make it work with it either way, right? Him arguing to leave, him arguing to stay, either one of them ending up with him leaving, he'd be leaving with different baggage depending on which way it went, right? But either way, he's making a choice to leave, right? He says, okay... I'm going, but he, he doesn't have a plan, right? He's forced to go the route that he would not have chosen to leave Dorthonian by, right? But nevertheless, he's determined. I would, I definitely want to see him taking the road through the Arid Gorgoroth, as if there's a road, uh, you know, taking it, making his way through the Arid Gorgoroth, um, like on purpose. Like, this should be a, an act of strength on Baron's part, right? Um, he is daring to do it despite the fact that he knows that it's almost certain death um, uh, and not have him be all like, you know, well, crap, I'm in the Arid Gorgoroth. How did that happen? <laughs> now I'm surely going to die, right? I mean, I, I would like him to, to, to sort of choose to do that. To, again, for it to be a strong decision on his part. Um, but uh, anyway, yeah, well, we don't have to resolve this right now necessarily. So that was a, a good example of me not spending too much time on that. So I think that that was good. <laughs> Meanwhile, what does Luthien do? Where What's so up Luthien, with Luthien? So Luthien. Luthien, yeah, exactly. <laughs> let's, let's talk about Luthien. Um, how has she progressed? Again, the last thing we saw was that, like, proto-conflict between her and her father, right? Not really a conflict yet, but the beginnings of a, uh, at least, as I say, a difference in sentiment between her and her father. Um, uh, how has, how have things changed? Um, has she learned any, uh, what would she have heard? Would she have heard, she'd probably have heard more about the people of Haleth, maybe? She certainly would have heard the Tevildo story from Beleg. Right. Beleg and Thingol both had 
a bit of change since that earlier right. decision in the sense that they met men. A single personally met Haleth. Right. And Beleg uh, spent time with the people of Haleth and got to know them a little bit. So there's been a revised opinion of who men are based on from from the original reports that Galadriel was giving was the elvers perspective mm -hmm. of having met a handful of men, but now they've met them in person. So it's, it, it, there has been a shift there. There's also been a war since then. Well, yeah. The dagger and men luck. took, yes. And men took part yeah. in that and the people of Doriath did not. So that changes. So, do we have a Luthien who is now more actively chafing against her father's isolationist policies? That would make her uh, pretty actively in a different camp from her dad. Like that would that would open a fairly big gap between the two of them. I'm not 100% sure I'm comfortable with as big a gap as that. Um, but they've, I mean, look, the there, people again, there has it. to be a different perspective, a different viewpoint, because based on who Luthien is, she's not anywhere near as fearful as Thingol is. Right. And right. therefore they see things very differently. And also, right, they do. But again, I don't want to, like... We certainly can't make Luthien a, like, uh, rebellious teenager mentality against her dad. We can't, apart from the fact that that's, like, hideously cliched. Um, Let's not, it, yeah. No, it totally changes the <laughs> dynamics of, yeah, like, we, we, we don't want, like, goth Luthien, right? You know, just trying to, like, tick off her father. Um, but um, we, yeah, yeah. But we do because and, and here's the main th reason that I'm thinking here. I'm thinking about the dynamics. I mean, I have the uh, the treehouse you know, <laughs> up above my head here and my background. I don't want to change the dynamics of that too much. Right. You know, so to me, the choice to lock Luthien up in the treehouse is that's Thingol saying my daughter is an innocent and has no idea what's going on out there. And I have to protect her from herself. Right? I mean, that's Thingol's rationale for locking her up in the treehouse. Um, if we show her being like, you know, rebelling against her father's policies, like if, if we see her as like a, a, a political opponent of her father, right? Then it becomes like a, you know like a factionalist issue that she's being locked in her, you know, you know what I mean? It sounds like, you know, I'm, I'm punishing a potential rebel or something like that. You know, it, we don't want that dynamic. Um, therefore also we want some movement in Luthien's character, right? We want her to learn some stuff. So that's a good question. What does Luthien learn over the course of this season? How does she change from episode one to episode 13? I think she certainly discovers that she's more limitless than she would have known prior to this. Like she's always had these abilities and she's always been who she is, but she's never been tested before. Right. And Other throughout the, the season, 
she yeah. just keeps ramping it up and never meets an opponent who's worthy of her. <laughs> right. And it, it's so it's interesting, again, especially in the context of what I was just talking about, like what we saw in season five, right? That that human desire to, you know, seize the day, right? To 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 use the moment like we have a small amount of time and we want to accomplish something. We want to use the abilities that we have in the time that is given to us to to accomplish something. Um, Luthien has had this, you know, phenomenal power that she's done almost nothing. I mean, comparatively, nothing with in her life. I mean, there have been these moments, right? Enough to show what's possible, right? Enough to show what's there, especially the Marathotarthod thing, right? And the Marathotarthod, we could see a, a, the glimpse of the kind of power that Luthien had, that what she was able to... I mean, she was the one who brought peace to the Marathotarthod when it was looking like it might splinter apart. Um, she brought peace to it. Um, what would she do if she, like, makes a plan and exerts herself, right? Um, if she didn't just stay in the forest all the time. But again, but, but she's not driven. She's not human. Right. So she's not going to be we, we, we you know, we also can't have her like, uh, you know, Ariel at the beginning of the Little Mermaid either, you know, um, feeling like she's locked away and never gets to see the world. Right. And wanting to get out and see the world like I don't I don't see us taking that angle with Luthien at the start either. Yeah, I, I know it, was, it came up on the boards a few times that people wanted there to be something that was missing in her life so mm-hmm. that when. Baron enters the picture to be like, oh, that's why Luthien is so into him. Like, right. it would, it would, there would be something that he would be bringing to the picture that no one else in Doriath ever had that we could see she is interested in. Like and before that we could be it, together. right? That could be it. I mean, ironically, it could even be like her father's stratagem, right? The oath, right? Um, Baron's Oath, I mean, um, which basically kind of unlocks this for her. Um, that, so, again, like, what she could get from him, from Baron, I mean, is exactly that, like, human drive to accomplish something, to get out there and do something, right? She's never had that. She's never been that. She's been content to just, you know sing and dance in Doriath and make flowers spring out of the ground, right? That's like what she does. That's her, that's her nine to five. But um, then she meets Baron and it's not like as soon as she meets Baron, she's like, yes, I'm going to go like get a part-time job. And I know, but like, but when Baron leaves right now, she has, she has a thing. There's a thing she wants to go and do and it's to rescue him, to help him, to save him. Right. Um, So again, and I like this because, of course, the irony is she would never have had the desire to leave if her father hadn't (laughs) tried to prevent Baron from marrying her. Right. Um, But the stratagem that Thingol puts into place to send Baron off to his probable death um, is the thing that for her that like tips her that, that unlocks this for her. Um, I mean, it's Baron, but it's also kind of indirectly and ironically her father. And I think that that would be kind of cool. Um, so, I don't know. What do you think of this? What if at the beginning, 
we show Luthien is primarily naive. Like she's, I don't think she's aware that she's missing anything. I think we just like she and Dairon are out there singing and dancing and, 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 you know, like it's what you do. You like dance in the woods. Um, and then she meets Baron. We have an attraction there. I don't think she knows why yet. Right. And we see the change in her comes when she she now wants something. She's now at, now says now sees like, you know, that whole idea, like, is there like she has potential that is being wasted is a thought that never crossed her mind ever before. Right. But now Baron is out there. He's in danger. Um, I can do something about that. And I want to go do something about that. And so now I'm going to go. And and she is still innocent, right? I mean, like the beginning of the Nargothron stuff, like she's, uh, you can see that in the text, I think. Like when she meets Calgorm and Kurafin and they're like, oh, come back with us and we'll like take care of everything. And she's like, okay. And then, you know, they walk her up when they get her back in. Like there's some naivete there from her, I think. Um I mean, I got to think that Arathel, I mean, Arathel's a bad example because she was a friend of Caligorm, but, like, uh, ignoring that for a second, I think Arathel would have been, like, a little wiser to the situation. Right? Now you could say, right, like, she was hardly under the circumstances. Ail's a different... Okay, fine. Arathel was a bad example. Galadriel. Galadriel would not have been, like, just snookered like that, right? She would have been... She would have... Um, you know, when Kurafin and Kelgorm were like, oh, yes, come back and we'll take care of everything. She would have she would have smelled a rat. Right. She would have been like, you know, this Kurafin dude, I don't trust him as far as I could kick him. Right. Even if she didn't know him already. But anyway, see what I mean? Like, I'm, it's like Luthien. Like, if we no, we don't want to go too far, obviously. I, and I don't mean that we make her like uh, sort of disgustingly naive and simple minded. But she, I, there should be an innocence about her. Like she, you know, so I'm like, the more I'm thinking about, the less I like the idea of like a Luthien who is fretting over current events, right? And worrying about like wanting to go out and see the world and, and more uneasy about her father's isolationist policies and things like that. I, the, the less I like that idea and the more I want her to be, she dances in the woods. This is what she does, right? I agree that Luthien dances in the woods. That is indeed what she <laughs> is does. That is indeed what she does, and yes. <laughs> I would therefore definitely want to see her doing that Yeah, at the beginning of this season before Baron enters the picture. Like, mm-hmm. I 100% yeah. agree with that. And if we were having Baron and Luthien meet almost immediately, then I would say that's all we need. It's just establish who she is and then get on right. with it. But most likely it's going to take a little bit of time to work through Baron's storyline in Dorthonian. Right. Because we have to do the whole Goylem story and then we have to get him out of there and do his whole thing solo. Yeah. Yeah. By the time he gets to Doriath, 
we need to have told some story with Luthien other than <laughs> Luthien is an elf who dances in the woods. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I, sorry, I'm laughing. I started laughing because as you were talking, I was picturing like in every episode, cut to Doriot still dancing. <laughs> there, she, there she is like another day, another dance in the woods, you know, uh, like that, that actually like, I, 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 I I'm not really suggesting it because it would almost certainly come off as comical in a way that we don't want people laughing at Luthien ever, much less established at the beginning uh, to make her an object of of, of comedy. Um, But there's, despite the fact that I know it's a bad idea, there's something really kind of appealing to sort of show like the movement and the trauma and the like, you know, all the, uh, you know, Baron going through ordeal after ordeal and meanwhile like here's Luthien like unchanging unchanged uh, you know in everything every you know one day is much like the rest in Doriath that contrast I find it intellectually appealing I don't think we could do it without it coming off ways we don't want it to but um, but I find that conceptually sort of appealing Um, I'm wondering one way that I can imagine doing more stuff without showing her because part of me doesn't really want her to have any character movement before Baron comes essentially I think I don't want that but anyway so what if we um, what if we have we don't spend that much time with her ourselves like we can spend more time with um Thingol and Melian and even Dairon. Um right, it's so like people can talk about Luthien in those first few episodes. And we can see her, but like sort of see her from I mean I'm I'm kind of imagining like we sort of set Luthien up indirectly, right? By having her discussed, by having people talk about, like the, even like, <clears throat> I mean, maybe we even have discussions between Dairon and Thingol and Melian about like them, Dairon and Luthien getting married, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, maybe we were actively beginning to discuss that. Um, I mean, I kind of think that has to be dealt with sooner or later, right? Uh, I mean, we're not making them siblings, so fiancés was the other option really or, or like and we and we already chose to have them be like presumptive fiancés right right they are very good friends who spend a lot of time together and presumably everyone thinks they're going to get married someday right right exactly except um, luthien except luthien right <laughs> yes exactly and this is one of the things that i think that we can accomplish by having, by basically having the audience kind of seeing Luthien from afar and seeing her through the eyes of others in the first couple episodes. I mean, I know this is kind of a, a counterintuitive approach in some ways, but this way we can kind of set up who Luthien is and what Luthien means to others, right? In different ways, right? And then have you know, the first time we really are following her be the central character on camera is the big dancing in the woods day when Baron shows up. Right. Um, and that's the begin. That's really the beginning of her unique story. And before that, she's sort of an object of speculation, um, and discussion 
by everyone, including us. I'm not saying we never show her on camera. Like, she can appear, um, you know, she can walk through the room or whatever. We can see her from a distance. Um, but, but we're not telling her story from her perspective. In the not until part. she meets Baron, yeah. Because here's the other thing that I think we could accomplish this way. And I'm doing a lot of arguing for it. I'm not 100% sure I'm sold on this idea yet, but I'm, I'm working it through here. Um, the other thing that we really need to accomplish is, like, what Luthien means. And we're not going to get that from her, right? Um, I mean, okay, yeah, like, her dad loves her. Okay, we don't need to go very far out of our way to establish that, right? But there's more, right? Luthien already means more, not just to her parents, but to everybody in Doriath. And even, like, all of Elvendom. She's a big deal. She's, she's very famous already, how? Yes. For what? Like, and that we need to establish, and we can best establish that by having people talking about her, right? Okay, so the one thing that people came up with is a, what could be different in Doriath now than right. the last three seasons? Right. And it was that maybe some Sindar refugees from the north have fled to Doriath on account of the Dagor Bragalak, where they're right. trying to get away from the war. And if they're Sindar, Thingol would let them in, presumably. And if they're right. not, then <laughs> gates are closed. Right. Um, so we could right. establish that Doriath is a closed kingdom, which would be helpful before Baron gets yeah. there. Yeah. But this would also be an opportunity for outsiders to meet Luthien. So if we're following the refugees and their storyline, and they get to meet Thingol's court, right. which includes Luthien, and we see how they view her and what she means to the people of Doriath and what she means to through the eyes of these newcomers. That could be a story that wouldn't be. And Luthien is petitioning her dad to do things differently because she's unhappy with how he's running his court. Like, cause I agree that that's not the story we want to tell with her. Mm-hmm. Like it, her involvement with the court has been very minimal to this point. Yes. Yes. Like she's had personal one-on-one conversations with Melly and Arthingle about various issues that have been going on, but she's not a political figure. She's not an activist. Yeah. I, 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 the more I think about it, the less I, the more I dislike the idea of Luthien as activist, uh, in the court, right. Trying to influence policy one way or another. Cause again, then it, there is an inevitable political dimension to the conflict with her dad. Right later on and that I don't want there to be a political overlay to that that needs to be just personal um, I mean there's a political element obviously like Kelgorm and Kurafin come in and now there's a political element right but yeah. but there it's all about the politics that are at stake because of her and who she is right and again there's this element remember I mean this, there's this element it's, a, it's fairly strong I think it's stronger in the Lay of Lathian than it is in the Silmarillion version of the Baron and Luthian story um when Luthien is on the loose, right, and rumors start spreading that Luthien is on the loose, everybody, Morgoth on down, right, everybody's just, like, curious. They're like, oh, yeah, we've heard about this Luthien one, right? She's supposed to be, like, the greatest, most, I mean, this is, this is like, the, the jewel of elvendom, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone's like, we want to check that out, right? Um... I mean, everybody is like, so Kelgorm and Kurafin are like, whoa, Luthien, it's so like the rumors are true. Holy cow. Right. Is one of their is one of their reactions to it. The, I mean, the, the, the whole bulldog battle thing 
came out because they heard that Luthien was out on the loose. Right? I mean, like it starts whole movements of armies even in the Lay of Lathian, I mean. Um, so anyway, there's she's a big deal, right? And I think establishing her not just as daddy's little girl, right? She's obviously a big deal in that way to Thingol. Um, but establishing that she's like a continental big deal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and by, again, by having people talking about, by showing... Dairon, I think, would... I don't know. Would he reflect that? I mean, maybe you wouldn't get it from Dairon. Maybe you would get it from, you know, through Dairon. Um, so... Yeah. I don't know. Part part of the whole Dairon situation, I'm a little reluctant to start the season by Dairon petitioning Thingol, like, hey, can I marry your daughter? Based on how many more times someone is going to petition Thingol in the next two months, hey, can I marry your daughter? Like, Luthien is, what, 3,000 years old now or something? So, like, why did this week everyone wake up on a... Exactly, right. So, like, it, it might feel a little weird, but that's not really the issue. My main concern is if... Luthien knows that Dairon is trying to mm-hmm. court her, mm-hmm. then her sudden interest in Baron might look a little bit more like desperate oh, to find an alternative. Right. Yeah. We and don't want to yeah, make him we look really like don't want the... A rebound situation. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Any warm, any, any warm blooded male who walks through the door and isn't Dairon. Yeah. 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 It could really, yeah. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, to avoid that, but still, Mm -hmm. if you want to bring up the potential there, other people could be asking Dairon. Like, so when are you two getting married? Right. And right. He could be like, that's not happening. (laughs) Right. um, So we could establish whether or not he's interested, but still not make it like he's actively trying to force her into anything. Oh, yeah. I I, so what if uh, what if Dairon's not interested? What if he's just like her friend? How is Dairon not interested? Well, okay, fair enough. This is Luthien. It's Luthien, for crying out loud. Like, every sentient organism is interested in Luthien, right? I mean, seriously, is there a sentient organism with whom she comes into contact who's not interested? I mean... But one one of the points of that is that Luthien therefore brings out different aspects of how someone loves someone else. Yeah, yeah. And she can bring out the worst in someone. Um, Yeah. You know, I mean, Morgoth is quite interested in her, too, but... That's not um, a positive thing. Right. So Dairon definitely 100% loves Luthien. No question. But they are best friends. And is there any reason that it has to be something other than that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I am going to, this is me being really virtuous because I am like twitching with the desire to say, Okay, let's talk about Dairon's story. But I'm not doing that because if we do that, I'm never going to do the episode yeah, structure host. for these. So we're, I'm saving that. We're going to come back to the because and I, I want to approach Dairon from scratch. I want to you know be like, 
who is this guy and what is his story going to be? Like, I, I, I want to figure out his entire arc, not all of which need necessarily be in this season. Oops, is that my spoiler that I don't want to kill off Dyer in this season? Yeah, I kind of don't want to kill off Dyer on this season. But I don't even know. I honestly haven't even made up my mind about what I would want Dyer's story to be, other than a general discontentment with his vague disappearance. I've always hated Dyron's vague disappearance. What the heck happened to Dyron has been always one of my like top ten, uh, you know, frustratingly unresolved questions in the Silmarillion. So like, darn it, I want I want to answer that question. Um, but um, anyway, so we'll get there. But we'll only talk about that right now. But anyway, okay. So but there's, I, I but I do. You're absolutely right. We certainly don't want her to be aware that she is under pressure from Dairon and seeking to escape from him and then it looks like Baron is the escape valve, right? We certainly don't want that. Um, so I agree. We, 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 we definitely avoid that. Um, but, um, okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, uh, yeah. Um, Okay. So I, I, the more I'm thinking about it, the more I still like the idea of Luthien herself not actually doing much. But I think that we could spend plenty of time talking about her and establishing. Um, we could even sprinkle references to her from outside Doriath, right? Um. It's hard because it's been... I mean, other than with Goadriel, Goadriel would have an easy excuse to bring her up if we... Not that we necessarily had plans to go back to Goadriel at the beginning of the season, but... Um, but anyway, I, I, it, she was known... She met them at the Marathadrathad, so, uh, you know, even others like Finrod and um, Fingon have met her before. Um, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to fret over the details, um, but but, but as again, many different perspectives, as many different perspectives from the outside, from the outside, before we get yeah. to tell her story from her perspective. Exactly, and even here's another thing. Here's another seed that I think that we can plant in the context. Not that anyone is making this connection, right? But I'm imagining kind of two focal points of conversation at the beginning, like among Elvendom, right? One can be Luthien, right? In various ways, primarily in Doriath, obviously, but like Luthien and Luthien is awesome, right? Luthien is like the shining hope of Elvendom, right? On the one hand. And on the other hand, okay, the Dagor Bragalak, that was awful, right? And it was not an utter catastrophe, right? It was like only an 80% catastrophe rather than a 100% catastrophe. Like, there is some chance that we could partially recover from what just happened there, right? But it was pretty bad. Um, And something needs to happen. Like, if something doesn't happen, if, like, some unexpected thing does not come to help us I don't see how we can move forward from this, right? Like this, this sense of, and you, and you see the connection that I'm making ultimately, right? Now, again, nobody makes this connection. Nobody, there isn't anybody out there who's like, 
if only that Luthien chick would get into gear, like, you know, we could make a difference in the world, right? No one's saying that. But again, we have those two points, right? And Luthien is the one, ultimately, who is kind of... And again, she's not out there, like, to save the world. She's out there to save Baron, right? But what will be happening, in fact, is that Luthien, unloose, um, shaken up the world, is, in fact, going to be this, like totally unanticipated new variable in the dynamics of Beleriand, right? And that's, of course, where, where we're, what's going to get us to season seven and Mithros, right? Leading up to the mm-hmm. Nearnith, right? Um, so I think that those are the two points that we need to establish in the beginning of the season, right? Like, we're hosed if something doesn't happen, right? Something different has to, you know, there's, there's no... Point. I mean, look, the leaguer failed as it was, right? What are we going to do? Like, just, like, buck up and rebuild it? You know, there's a gaping hole in the middle of it. There are fewer of us left. Like, there's no reestablishing that. It was insufficient as it was, and we can't even get back to there, right? So what mm-hmm. can we do? What can happen? What is, you know, uh, something needs to happen. And then Luthien is awesome. Right, Luthien is like head and shoulders. Like there's, she is like really special. There is like some amazing potential in Luthien. Um, And again, nobody's like, obviously we have to be very careful about this. Nobody's making that connection. And I would ideally like not even the viewers to be making that connection. Like I don't even want to be hinting at it. Um, And Luthien herself isn't going to make it like ever. That's not how she thinks either. Right. It's only going to be from the outside. Um, right. That anyone. Yeah, no, no, definitely. Yeah. It's it's a very unexpected answer to the yes. problem of what do we do after the dagger of Ragalak? Yeah. yeah. Send one person to take out Morgoth. OK, we tried that. That's what Fingolfin did. Mm-hmm. Like it was crazy when he did it and it didn't work. So for Luthien to. Well, I mean, she doesn't kill him, but right. still, right? It, yeah, no, no one's expecting that. So, it's, I don't think it'll be difficult to avoid the characters making that connection, right? Depending on how heavy-handed we are, the audience will be like, <laughs> "I see what you're doing there." <laughs> right? Exactly. We 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 have to be very careful about it. But, um, but again, this is this is all kind of my answer to the question: What do we do? Like, Baron is doing his thing. Right, Baron and Barra here are doing their thing for a couple episodes. What's happening in Elvendom? Right, what's happening with Luthien and in Elvendom? And my answer is this: this is what we're kind of setting up Um, and showing. um, You know, we we the Luthien story. The Luthien story is just so much fun in so many ways. Like the way that we're setting it up. I mean, the way that just showing it on screen sets it up. Doesn't, I mean, it sounds like an origin story, right? Like a superhero origin story. Like, you know, here was Luthien with this, like, tremendous power and potential, just like minding her own business and dancing in the forest, right? But then one day, like, she had a gritty experience, you know, Uncle Ben dies or whatever, and then off she goes and starts saving the world, right, and now becomes this great superhero. It it almost has that shape, except it's totally not that shape, 
right? Um, it's like way more interesting than that shape. You know, she's not trying to save the world. And yet, anyway, so I, I, it's, there's so much fun here, I think, that kind of can be had. Um, and the shape of her story is really, I think, it's legitimately unlike almost any hero story. I mean, it's, it goes in a very unexpected direction. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that that's, um, um, I don't know. I think it's a lot of fun. Um, I think it's a lot of fun that we can do a lot with, and we need to not be afraid of that. Um, even to like the end of the story is probably going to seem like a big anticlimax to people. Right. I mean, surely the moment when she and Baron return from death, they're going to come back and it's going to be like the end of Avengers Endgame, right? Or something, right? Everybody comes back and and then there's the big battle and victory, right? And they're going to come back. She's going to heal Thingol and they're going to go into quiet retirement and I'll see her end, right? And I, I got to think a lot of people watching the show would be like, what just happened there? Like, what was accomplished there? Now, I mean, we need to make sure we're doing. I mean, there's there are things that we're doing, right? We're 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 there are a bunch of things that we're going to be putting in place to sort of show in the shape of the overall season. At the end of the day, release from bondage is the theme, right? And that's what we're showing. It's not a this is not a save the world story in the end, but it's going to look and feel like a save the world story at some point, right? Especially even the timing. Think of the timing, right? Um, Again, I, I, I keep thinking of, like, your typical, like, action movie plot shape, right? Think of where the, um, the, the, the Angband sequence falls in the normal action movie sequence shape, right? Uh, like, the moment where, like, there's this big, f- like, early, not really early, but, like, mid-range boss fight... And then, but then, like, but it's a failure ultimately, and like the so the hero is grievously wounded, and it looks like everything's horrible, and they come back, and then, but like then, eventually we recover and and uh, you know have a triumphant victory at the end, right? It's it feels like that. If you, it's going to feel like, man, look at what she did in Angband, right? Imagine what she's going to do at the climax of the show. Right. Oh, man. Then we're going to get Luthien unleashed. Like, that's just the warm up act. This is going to be amazing. And what's what is Luthien unleashed? Look, what is the pinnacle of her? Like, you know, when like the what's the moment when she fulfills her, her potential? And the answer is her song before Mendos. That's the moment. That's the big pinnacle. Right. That's the boss fight for, for Luthien. The boss fight is with death, ultimately. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no one's yeah. going to, no one is another story she, is going to see that coming. Right. But she chooses death. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. 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 It's, I mean, so. it's, it's, it's wild. It's what I mean. And, and I, this is what I love about this story. I think that this is just like super. And of course we can see unsurprisingly because of the way in which it parallels this story again and again, we can see a similar shape in the Lord of the Rings. Right. Um, with Frodo's sacrifice and uh, his departure, right, to the Grey Havens at the end. I thought you would enjoy the Shire for years and years, says Sam, right? You know, it's been saved, but not for me, says Frodo. You know, I mean, like, there's there's, there's echoes of the end of the Barrett and Luthien story in, mm-hmm. uh, in, in 
the Lord of the Rings as well. It's not exactly the same, but again, there's 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 echoes, there's ripples uh, that are like it. Um, but this is like this is the this is the this is the main deal. This is the big thing. Um, but um, anyway, uh, so. But I'm not getting anywhere anymore. Okay, let's let's talk about the outline. Let's, oh, hang on, we had ideas. I've totally skipped the ideas. Okay, uh, perhaps Doroth is accepting Sindar refugees, right? Mm-hmm. They would be. Um, hang on, let's think about that a second. Okay, wait, perhaps Luthien is feeling dissatisfied. Right now, I don't think she's dissatisfied. I think she's just dancing in the woods. Perhaps Dairon has decided to make his intentions clear. Right, we talked about that, right? Or again, maybe external pressure even on him. Right. Uh, Not pressure. Exactly. Who pressures elves to get married? Right. Um, You know, like you better hurry. Her biological clock is ticking. And in another 500 years, you know, uh, it'll be anyway. whatever. Perhaps Luthien expresses some dissatisfaction with Thingol's leadership. Yeah, I don't think we want to do the political thing. So I think we've talked about most of these already. Um, The first one I think we can definitely do and we can have like those can be some of the people talking. Right. Ooh, in fact, I like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's a cool role for the Sindar refugees, right? We can, they will have met Luthien, right? Possibly for the first time, um, if they've been away from Doriath for a long time, right? Well, no, they would have at the Marathadathad probably, but anyway, whatever. It's been a long time, right? And they're in a, again, we have the Luthien effect, right? Um, They come wounded, grieving, terrified, um, into Doriath and they meet Luthien and flowers spring up, right? You know, we can have, we can show, not that like we show them being like, I, 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 everything is lovely now and I love my life because I met Luthien, right? Like, it's not like that, um, obviously. But again, they have met Luthien, right? They, they, um, we can show, we can even show her interacting with refugees, right? I mean, we could show mm-hmm. her, we could show her you know, being a blessing to the refugees and helping them. Um, uh, they would be a, certainly a good opportunity both for us to show the Luthien effect um, that, you know, people are healed when they come into contact with Luthien. And secondly, we can show we, we there, there those are other people to talk about her and to emphasize what a big deal she is. Right. Um, because, you know, these other Sindar who have been out around Beleriand, right, are now coming in uh, after the Dagor Bragalak. They've known bunches of elf kings and queens, right? Um, and there's nobody like Luthien. Um, and they will know that, right? I mean, everyone in Doria thinks there's nobody like Luthien, but they're sheltered, right? How many elf princes do, princesses do they know, right? I mean, like, saying she's the greatest elf princess in Doriath is not saying a whole lot. So, um, but, you know... You got somebody from Dorthonian, somebody from, you know, whatever. Anyway, anyway. Yeah, so there's definitely another angle from which some of the Luthian stuff could come. Um, Okay, okay. Uh, All right, so let's talk about the shape. Let's talk about the shape. All right. So we've got, all right, Sauron is, uh, Sauron is, is orange, orange and yellow. Here. Uh, Nargothrond is green. Baron is blue. 
Okay. Luthien, she's a solid bar. Luthien is like, I see that's just like humans and elves in a nutshell right there. I was leaving that open to wait for yeah. your discussion. No, I love that. Her storyline would be. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing. No change. Yeah. No, that's great. I love it. Okay. Okay. So um, let's start with Sauron. Because that was the story, it's the story that we decided before. So we start with the fall of Tulsirian in episode one. That we'd already, you know, the necromancy and the capturing the tower. We'd already pretty much decided on that. Um, then we have Thorin Gwethel sent to Dorthonian in episode two. Great. Um, which means the establishment of the pot of evil happens in episode two while Thing- Thorin Gwethel's away, right? So that she comes back and is like, "What the heck?" Right? So, so that the the capture of the like we don't we don't you know we can have like the end of Sauron's role in Episode One is just like Sauron striding through the now open gates of Telesirian or whatever. Like, you know, he's just captured it uh, in Episode One. Episode Two, you know, he starts to you know rearrange the furniture and and uh, establish pots of evil. Right? So like this is now we're. Um, Establishing the conversion of Tolsirian, of you know, of Minas Tirith to Tauring Garhoth, right? Tauring Garhoth. So, okay, so there we are. Um, so that's what Sauron's doing. Meanwhile, Thorin Gwethel is going to Dorthonian. Um, she's learning Gorlim's secret. That's still in episode two? She learns that in episode two? Uh, probably. Um, again, there's a lot of aftermath with Baron after the outlaws are all dead. Mm-hmm. So presumably you are going to want to kill them off by the end of episode two. I would think so. I would think so. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously we can't kill them off in episode one. I don't think we do much about them. We just establish that they exist right in episode one. Um, so whatever it is that we're doing, whatever, <laughs> whatever we decide about what their mentality and choices are, Right. Needs to be established in episode one. Right. So if there is going to be any back and forth, any, you know, do we stay or do we go discussion that happens in episode one. Right. So that those lines are clearly drawn because then everything starts happening in episode two up there. Okay, so the whole Gorlim story, basically. So we need to establish Gorlim's character, which is kind of one-dimensional so that's not too hard to establish in episode one and then um so we get the gorlim sequel thorin gwethel gorlim and then um so we're ending we're contemplating ending episode two with baron uh finding the mutilated corpse of his father Right, I was not Possibly. clear where to where to yeah. end the episode because there was like the well, but there's also the possibility of Gorlim's ghost visiting Baron to warn him right. and ending on a cliffhanger, so we don't discover the corpses until the beginning of the next episode. Or yeah. the ghost comes, he rushes back, and he walks into the massacre already over, and then we end it. So like. There's there's po- there's possible where places to cut it in that. Well, good choices there. There are. Yeah. Though I have to admit that um, uh, that scene. And this is one of those moments, right? I mean, like those those zoom in moments that we get in the Silmarillion's, you know, story that the um, 
birds coming Vultures up too late, rising too late. Up. oh my goodness yeah, yeah. i think it's, oh, it's crows yeah. crows or ravens crows, or something. yeah yeah exactly yeah. oh and then like the disturbing the carrion fowl that are you know feasting on his father and companions um that moment you know him coming into the camp and the birds flying up that um hard to beat that as the final <laughs> final scene in the episode i think um but anyway around there around there is definitely when we when we finish episode two um do we have i think thoringwethel returning to Talsirian should be episode three probably i think because we want she's gonna have enough to do with you know gorlim um handling gorlim um and okay then episode three we have him staggering we end episode three with baron staggering through the girdle of melian right presumably I, i think so yeah um um my question to you is how do you feel about waiting until episode, episode four. four out of 13 to hear Tenuviel Tenuviel in this okay. show? Is that so, acceptable mean, I, to you? In principle, sure. As long as we still have room to do everything else. I mean, so, okay. Let's think about it this way. We had decided that the destruction of the tower, right? The defeat of Sauron and the destruction of the tower, um, was going to be the sort of turning point, the midpoint, basically. Not doesn't have to be the exact midpoint, but like episode eight ish. Let's call it eight because if we're looking at Tenuvial happening in four, then eight's going to be the earliest we could possibly do that, right? So let's just think about this a little bit. Okay, what has to happen between four and eight? If four starts with Tenuviel, Tenuviel, and ends with what? Baron walking out of the throne room on the quest for the Silmaril, right? If that happens in four, then five is Baron gets to Nargothrond and he and him and Finrod leave, right? And maybe, maybe we can get them all the way to the dungeons, but that's a lot. But let's assume we can make it happen. Oh, yeah, hang on. Right, so five is Nargothrond. Nargothrond. Yeah. Yeah, six is going to the dungeon with Tulsirian and everything. And then seven is Luthien rescues Baron. Okay. Because while Baron is in the dungeons in Tulsirian, Luthien is in Nargothrond with Kelligorm and Curifin. Right. So mm-hmm. we can we can get Luthien bringing down the tower, episode seven. With what we have, if if we're very tight with how we do five and six, it's pretty crisp. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty crisp. Especially since okay, so now let me go back to the green here, right? It's um, stuffed. Yeah, it is stuffed. We've got Oradreth fleas. Yeah, so we can't really accomplish anything because Tulsirian isn't falling until the end of the episode, right? So we do need to have Kelgorm and Kurafin showing up, you know, so maybe we even get them being sent out at the very beginning of the episode and getting them arriving at the end of the episode, right? Um, uh, because, yeah, I would think that the Kelgorm and Kurafin assisting the refugees and thereby arriving triumphantly 
in Nargothrond sounds like a beginning of episode two thing, right? Um, and okay, um, so they're now there in episode two. If episode three, yeah, because so now we've got like a long time in which they're not doing anything because we don't need them again until episode five. If episode four is ba- Baron isn't walking out of Thingol's court until the end of episode four, um, we're not. We don't. Nothing's happening in Nargothrond until episode five when Baron shows up. It would be fine with me if all of episode four took place in Doriath, so right. that we do everything we need with our other stories in one, two, and three, yeah. and then we get just Doriath because. I think that story doesn't intercut well with other stories. And it's not only the central episode, like the, you know, of this story, it's arguably the central episode of Tolkien's entire fictional landscape for his whole life. (laughs) I mean, like, seriously, is there any scene more central to Tolkien's thought than the Baron and Luthien encounter. Like, I, I, you know, seriously, it's, it, it's gotta be on the short list. Like it's really hard. Yep. And, and if we're trying to portray Baron experiencing an encounter with fairy, yeah, like he, he needs to like enter into this magical world. That's completely separate from everything that came before. Yeah. We, we can't yeah. be, and then meanwhile, meanwhile. <laughs> yeah, and, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we should lose ourselves in that as well. Yeah. No, I yeah. agree. I love that idea. Like no B plot in episode four. It's just, it's well, just all. Yeah. Whatever B plot is, it's a Doriath. It's, it's Doriath plot. Yeah. It's all, yeah, it's all. So, I mean, obviously Dyron, we're, 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 we're having, right. Thingolmalian as well. Yeah. yeah. So episode um, four is, should definitely be a Doriath bottle episode. Yeah, I like that. I like totally focused. Yeah. You're right. Like yeah. cutting away. will no, not for that episode. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Yeah. We don't even want to juxtapose anything with Baron meeting Luthien. Right. I mean, that's, that's, yeah. Okay. Um, Right. So then, first of all, can I just say we've totally accomplished what we needed to accomplish, I think, as long as it'll work, as long as we're not gonna, as long as we can get ourselves by seven or eight, the tower has to come down by seven or eight. You know, and that's so uh, hang on. So hang on. Let me continue thinking through it. But with the the Baron version makes sense. Like it's easy enough to say episode five, he goes to Nargothrond and heads off towards um, uh, towards Tol and Garhoth. Um, Episode six, they get captured. We get the Finrod Sauron battle, episode six, and then they get into the thrown in the dungeon. And then episode seven, he's let out of the dungeon by Luthien. But that skips a lot, okay? Because so, in episode five, Baron is gone. He's going to Nargothrond. Meanwhile, Luthien's getting locked in the treehouse, right? Um, and presumably by the end of episode five, leaves the treehouse, right? So we've got Luthien. So the scene unfolding now in progress behind me, end of episode five, right? Credits roll. After that scene. Great. Okay. Um, episode six. Baron and Finrod now on the road north, encountering Sauron, 
ending up thrown in the dungeon. Meanwhile, Luthien meets Kelgorm and Kurafin, gets put under house arrest, meets Huon, talks Huon around, escapes. No. I would save her escape till the next episode. Six. Right. No, 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 no. Till to seven. Till seven. Seven. Okay. Right. Okay. Because so she's placed into house arrest, and she's right. So she's so. Yeah. That is an appealing. Baron is thrown into the dungeon at the same time Luthien is put under house house arrest. So everyone's in bondage, um, and then everybody gets released from bondage. In it, but that okay. I still feel like this is going to catch up with us sooner or later, but look, we'll keep going. Okay, so um, we have her soulful conversations with Huan by the end of episode six, right? Um, ooh, and even the juxtaposition there, right? Um, Luthien in prison with Huan, right? Baron in prison with werewolf coming to eat people, right? I mean, come on. That's kind of fun, actually. We can even have, like, a visual juxtaposition. It's cool. Anyhow, okay. So, I mean, like, horrible, but, like, in a cool way. So, all right. Episode 7 dawns, right? Except not for Baron, because he's in prison near the Pot of Evil. And he... So he's taken care of. Luthien has to start the episode 7 by running away, right? So we get Huan talks gives her her cloak. She runs off. Um, she, they run off together. Right? They run off together. They arrive, fight at the tower, release from bondage. Okay. Episode 7. I think that can work. And then, okay, so, destruction, Thorin Gwethel's death, um, can we can intersperse some Thuringwethel Sauron tension, right? We've set that up from episode three, so we have plenty of time to pop in on them and show how that's not working out. Um, uh, Thuringwethel dies, Sauron flees, Luthien finds Baron, cut to credits, right? Luthien finds Baron, Baron holding body of Finrod cut to credits. Something like that, right? Um, well of, you know, pot of evil souls blows up. Okay. Episode 8. Edway escapes. Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, episode 8, then. Uh, Kelgorm and Kurifen banished from Nargothrond. Head north and find them in the same episode? Has to be, doesn't it? We don't have time for them to... not going to do anything else in the meantime. Yeah, if, than, if we're going to do the whole Leap of Baron thing, it would have to be... The same right. episode. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, okay, so we start off by banishing them, and then we... Uh, we... do the Leap of Baron and the whole issue, and then... that's episode eight. Okay. So then nine, Baron and Luthien now together, still this is where they make the decision to go, like, you know, he tries to leave her and it doesn't work and she follows him and he's you know sings his song and she catches up and they go so this is, wait, what did I say? This is nine? Yes, eight was the Leap of Baron. So 
Nine, nine is disguises. Disguises. <laughs> yes, exactly. Disguises and journey. And so we end with what? Holy crap, Enormous Wolf at Gates of Angband or something like that, right? Because Angband, we, we don't put Angband into the butt end of an episode, right? So if that's going to be... If, if, if the, and we can maybe do something else there. But anyway, that gets us to 10 then. Episode 10 is the Angband episode. This is the Dancing Before Morgoth episode ending with the eagles taking off with them, presumably, right? Flying off with eagles... Uh, and Baron not bleeding to death due to means that this happens. And so that's what I say, 10? That's 10? And then 11 is the arrival, Thingol's big moment comes in episode 11, right? Thingol's big moment of forgiveness and everybody's happy except the hunt for the wolf, right? Episode 11, Hunt for the Wolf. We end with Baron's corpse and Huan's corpse, mm. right? I think that might be... I, I think uh, we might be able to put the Hunt for the Wolf in episode 12. We could, well... But it depends on where you're trying to cut things here. Yeah, because I'm, so I'm, I'm like... I'm, I'm I know, to, I know you want healing Thingles... You want to heal yeah. Thingles Winter and have there be time for that on screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I want Aftermath, not in season 7. So if we yeah. do... Hunt for the Wolf in, in episode 11, right? Baron's corpse, Huon's well, corpse. That would be, I mean, that would be a lot because it's their wedding and Hunt for the Wolf. And he yeah. dies. Oh, yeah. Like that's, so episode 11 is going to be pretty Meaty episode. Meaty episode. Yeah. Well, okay. uh, anyway, let's see. Because then 12, I mean, look, we have Mandos, right? Right. I mean, Mand- right. Big deal. This is the climax of the whole thing, mm-hmm. right? So Mandos happens in episode 12. I don't want to... Then we need... Healing of the winter of Thingol and the retirement mm. into you know I, I this I I feel like we need an episode for I don't want to squeeze the mm-hmm. post Mandos experience into you know ten minutes. Okay, so so you'd much rather squeeze the um, Thingol accepting Baron and the yeah, the I mean, one I guess. I could understand how people would want to be like, so yeah, the actual wedding of Baron and Luthien, you're wanting to squeeze into five minutes in the middle of an otherwise action-packed episode. I can. It's not that I can't see the counter-arguments against that. I'm just saying that... Um, At that point, it maybe isn't a climactic event. Anymore. It's not. It doesn't feel like a climactic <laughs> event to me. Where's the hunt um, for the wolf and Baron's death? Yeah, Baron's okay. death. That's a much bigger deal, right? I mean, it's... <laughs> Um, and, and there's a sense in which even like their wedding itself, they're like, you think about the events that bookend it, right? Like her actions of self-sac, like they may not, you know, have had their ceremony yet, but they're kind of married, you know, like they're bound together already. They already were. I mean, Thingol's acceptance is kind of a recognition of fact, at that point, it's still big of him, right? And I don't want to under, I'm not trying to undermine him, but it's, um, it's Baron and Luthien are a done deal by that point, right? I mean, like they've shown this, it's what is a big deal about their marriage, their wedding in a sense is Thingol, right? It's Thingol's acceptance, right? Um, but yeah, between like what they've already gone through and what they go through afterwards, in Mandos, like all of those things seem to me more important than the actual 
ceremony. Um, but um, anyway, we can we can uh, we can <laughs> obviously this is brainstorming, and we'll see what it actually looks like when we get to it. But I just wanted to make sure that we actually have time for the things that we want to do, and there's a whole bunch of subplots and everything that we you know we didn't put into that quickly brainstormed episode. I just want to make sure that the whole shape fits. It's still... There's something that still feels rushed about episode 7 for the downfall of the tower, and I don't know why. I don't know what... what like I'm having some internal resistance to that. Maybe it's just because I had had it in my head as happening in episode 10, and I'm, um, I'm, I'm having a hard time letting go of that. Maybe I think... Also, it feels kind of hasty on the Nargothrond front. But I guess not. I mean, she's going to be pretty much in Nargothrond and in prison for a whole episode. So that's plenty of time to do some work there. And I... I think the thing... I think the main... I think think what it is... Is that... There's a... The fall of the tower, there's a lot that needs to happen there, right? The 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 tower and go the tall in Garhoth sequence. I have a really hard time pronouncing that word properly fast. Um, is involved. There's a lot going on there, right? Between the Huan fights and we've added like what's going on with Thorin Gwethel as well and like the Pot of Evil and the conflict with Sauron and then the releasing of the... And then, oh, P.S., like Finrod is dying, right? So we're going to have to have the werewolf attacking, you know, Baron and Finrod like ripping out its throat with his teeth and, uh, you know, like... Anyway, so like... and then the rescue, and then the mourning over Finrod, who's a huge character in our story, right? Um, it's a lot. Like, that whole sequence is a lot. And so starting that episode with her in house arrest, right? And doing the business with her and Huan, and then the tra- like adding that to the front of the episode is, I think it's, ma- it's what it's making me... Like, I kind of want... I would kind of want to end an episode... With, like, With her, her and Huan. Yeah, exactly. Like, she and Huan, like, are looking over, like, the top of her eyes at the tower. And, like, that whole sequence is going to start at the beginning of of an episode there. Um, you know, so maybe yeah. we can... Yeah. I don't know. It was It was more of a... We can make the tower fall down in episode seven. Yeah. No, I think we can. I think we um, can. Even but if we again, I, yeah, with her in we do six. have to decide yeah. which pieces are in which episode, and that yeah. Um, yeah. is probably still up for debate. Yeah, yeah, I agree, and what we'll see as we get closer to that. Mm-hmm. But, but it sounds like you're okay with the story yeah. of yeah. Baron well, that's why I was the reason I'm thinking. Four. Yeah, the reason I'm thinking all the way through is I just because my gut impulse is like, whoa, that's late. Are we still going to have time for everything else? Right. Um, when I say that's late, I was kind of assuming episode three was what I had in my head. So it's only one episode later than I was assuming because I did know that we were going to, I mean, oh, yeah, the Baron stuff was going to have to be. But yeah, I mean, I agree. Because we need to have the necromancy and the sack of Tulsirion be really the centerpiece of episode. That's like the A plot of episode one, right? Um, and Baron is like 
maybe the B plot, um, maybe the C plot. I mean, it's just established. It's only an establishment thing. And so therefore, because I was in my head, I was thinking establish the outlaws and kill off most of them. And I, I was kind of thinking Gorlim episode one, basically. And then the flight and then Tenuvio in episode three. Um, but the the necromancy uh, uh, at Tulsirian really does push that back one. Oh, it's fine. I think we can do it. I think we can do it. I mean, I as I've sort of whispered before, I was a little um, worried that we would end up having to cut or diminish like the leap of Baron. Basically, I wasn't sure we'd end up with time for that because we'd be rushed. But I think, I think actually. We should be okay. We should be okay. But you know what this really does emphasize, though? This really does emphasize how focused on Baron and Luthien it's going to become. Like, once we really get into their story, um, we need to do a lot of the that extra work that we wanted to do in those first couple episodes while we're still willing to bounce around. Once we come out of our bottle episode in episode four... Um, we're gonna we're gonna want to stick pretty close to Baron and Luthien. I mean, there are some other things that we can show, but um, but we're definitely gonna want to have that focused in pretty pretty clearly. I think by that point. So okay, and yes, Alana, we're totally having a frame story. We're just postponing thinking about it as yet. So we're we're working on that. Um, I mean, that is no. We're postponing working on that is more precisely what is happening. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I think that this shape will work. You know, I, st- I, I have some odd, qu- and again, I'm, I'm, totally ready to, um, you know, like, uh, people. I'm totally open to other objections or thoughts about the end of the season. Like, if people don't want to have a whole episode, um, post Mandos. I kind of do, but I'm, I, I don't, I don't have a really clear vision of my mind for those final episodes. It just seems to me important that we don't, um, we can't, what we can't do, I think, is we can't risk having her singing before Mandos in episode 13, them returning to life, healing Thingol, roll credits on the season. Because then it, like it's too open-ended, right? It looks where they are and what it means and what's going on, right? Like Melian's reaction when they come back. Um, this is that's remember where the story of Luthien ends. Right, the story of Luthien ends with like, and they have lost her whom they most loved. Right, and I think that that's like, that's the you know one of the notes that we need to strike really hard, and we're not going to get that if the U catastrophe of their return from death is the big thing, and then we close credits. It looks like new beginnings, right? But it's not exactly new beginnings. Um, it's going to need to be handled really carefully. And frankly, I think that I think that it would be cowardly of us to minimize the post-Bandos sequence. And I say cowardly because it's going to be super hard to do. 
it's going to be really hard to not have the end of this season feel really weird because it is weird. Um, and we need to like figure out how to, how to handle the weirdness and show um, because things tie together at the end of this story. Our themes are going to be resolved, but not in the expected way. Um, mm-hmm. Not in any kind of a normal or typical plot resolution way. And so, you know, that we need to do some work on that. But um, anyway, yeah. Um, yeah, so. All right. There's my pitch about why we spend all of episode 13. Uh, you know, we have them returning. Um, uh, or like we have her, you know, singing before Mandos okay. and like, you know, Mandos's decision or like the tension anticipating Mandos's decision or something, or Mandos puts the choice to Luthien or something. Um, uh, and then episode 13 is the consequences, you know, the consequences of what she did and what they chose. Right. So anyway, lots of fun things. So I think we kind of did it. Um, yep. Yep. I think this works great. Um, Baron's fleeing Dorothonian, fighting spiders, and crossing the girdle of Melian is an eminently interruptible plotline, right? Like we can easily splice in other things as we're continuing to round out the early stories there. Um, you know, meanwhile, Baron, we return to Baron to find him in a worse position, fighting even more horrible things than he was fighting before. Um, is you know that's an easy sequence to maintain yep. for a while, uh, and then ending with a girdle of million. Um, okay, yep, I think this is great. I think that this is a th- you guys can definitely start with this, and then we'll continue to think through Baron and Luthien. Um, we need to talk more about Angband, of course. Um, we need to make sure that we're all on the same page about the fall of the tower and the fights with Huan and Sauron, the conflict with Sauron. I want to talk about like, how exactly is that going to go down. Um, we've talked about that some. I want to, I want to kind of resolve that. Um, I want to think about, I guess I don't want to think about Angband and how we handle Angband and Morgoth. Um, uh, and of course, we do need to get to more discussion of Mandos and that thirteenth episode as well. Think of where we're headed there. And if we have leftover time, we can talk about Dairon. We'll see. Um, I feel like I've been continuing to avoid the Thingol thing, but I actually think. Oh, wait! I, we also have to talk about the treehouse next time. Too. I have treehouse issues that I need help with. Um, I need someone to help me with my treehouse issues because I like that locked in the treehouse is like a totally legit fairy tale trope. But I have a hard time seeing how it translates. Is good. I think it's like low key a kind of big adaptation challenge actually. Um, because I think they're some things that are kind of weird about the locked in the treehouse part um, and the Rapunzel bit and everything else. Right. So we can, 
I want to talk about the treehouse. I need help with the treehouse. Um, so anyway, we'll, we'll talk about that too next time. Um, uh, all right. And next time will be March 24th, right? So that will be, to, we continue to be like, it's kind of impressive how all of our sessions have just been like dodging every conflict that I have so far, which has been very convenient. So we should be okay for March 24th. So that's great. Um, March 24th at 10. Uh, thanks everybody. Uh, thank you, Marie and Dave for your help here tonight. Uh, glad to see, I see, uh, Nick has been in the chat. I know Nick couldn't be with us here tonight, but glad that, uh, uh, Nick was around anyway. And thanks to everybody else, uh, who was also, uh, commenting and helping us here as we were going through and uh, we will see folks next time so as I will, I will say as always thanks for listening and Godspeed